Open your Bibles with me to Nehemiah 4. Nehemiah is one of those books I love to preach out of, and I've used it many times in ministry. Very rich. Deals with leadership, prayer, getting things done, and so forth. But we'll read part of chapter 4. We won't read all of it. And there's some details I will not have time to cover because I know we want to leave some time for church meeting and prayer afterwards. But starting in chapter 4, verse 1. Now it came about that when Samuelat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. And he spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burnt ones? No, Tobiah the Ammonite was near him, and he said, Even what they're building, if a fox should jump on it, it would break their stone wall down. Hear, O God, how we are despised. We've turned the reproach on their own heads, given them up for plunder in the land of captivity. Do not forgive their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out before thee, for they have demoralized the workers, the builders. So we built the wall, and the whole wall was joined together, half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Now it came about when Samalite, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and Ashites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on, and the breaches Again, to be closed, they were very angry, and all of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause a disturbance in it. But we prayed to our God, and because of them, we set up a guard against them day and night. Thus in Judah it was said, The strength of the burden bearers is failing, yet there is much rubbish, and we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, They will not know or see us until we come among them, kill them, and put a stop to the work. And it came about when the Jews who had lived near them came and told us ten times they will come against us from every place where you may turn. Then I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, the exposed places. I stationed the people in families with their swords, spears, and bows. And when I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. So let's pray. Well, Father, I'm glad you, your strength is made perfect in weakness. I feel totally weak this morning because of all I've been through, but you are gracious. I pray you'll honor the preaching of your word. I pray you will melt hearts and minds to hear and it will grip and bear forth fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. This is your church. We want to honor you. And I thank you for being here. In Christ's name, amen. Well, I'm not sure where to start. God's changed his sermon so many times. And he changed it again this morning. And um, last night, 
I have had so many meetings this week. Last night I was printing it out, and I have a printer that becomes demonic anytime I have to print anything that's biblically oriented. It has its own mind. It does its own thing. It loses contact with my computer. It runs out of paper when it's not out of paper. Uh, you name it, it'll do it. And so I told my wife, well, I'm going to go up to print it. And this was late last night. I was trying to get it out. I finished it, or I thought was finished. And I kept getting uh, an error on printing it out, saying it was out of paper. Well, my printer is way be underneath my desk and so forth. And so I have to crawl down there. And I've had seven shoulder surgeries, three on one side, four on the other. So doing that is hard for me. So I had to crawl down the ground, lay on my back. Then I had to bring my phone up, get the flashlight on, figure out what the problem was. Finally figured out what the problem was. And I had the worst cramp I have ever had in my right leg. I couldn't get to it, couldn't massage it. I couldn't do anything. Well, God, if I'm going to stay here all night, I guess you know. I'm not printed. It's all printed out because I hit the print button from below. That was about all I could do. I says, well, I got something you want me to learn, and so I'm teachable. And so eventually I was able to stand up after about 10 minutes. And once I stand up, it's gone. So I knew the source of what it was. God was trying to get my attention. So he, he got my attention, and you'll hear about that, what he added to the sermon this morning. Tozer writes in one of his books, and as you all may know, I'm a big fan of Tozer. He says, God will hear the voices of his people as he heard the voice of Israel in Egypt. And he will send deliverance by sending deliverers. It is, it is his way among men. And when the deliverers come, the reformers, revivalists, prophets, they will be men of God and men of courage. And they will have God on their side because they will be careful to stay on God's side. They will be co-workers with Christ and instruments in the hand of the Holy Spirit. Instruments in the hand. Holy Spirit. Nehemiah was one of those men. And if you look at the book of Nehemiah, you chapter 1, you see in chapter 2, chapter 1 starts with a lot of prayer and really one of the richest prayers in the scriptures. I love it with Daniel. In chapter 2, he goes before King Artaxerxes and asks for permission to leave. So he had permission to go to help his people. He was on loan for God. And I feel like that's what I'm here. I'm on loan for God. God's always what I put first. Always. It's difficult sometimes, but I always go that way. Even if it's painful. And if you remember from the biblical history... 50,000 Jews returned to Jerusalem under Zerubbabel to rebuild the temple. And a little later, another um, contingent returned with Ezra to restore the worship of Jehovah in the temple. And 15 years later, Nehemiah returns 
to reveal the walls. And so he goes to build the wall. Now, anytime you build something that has spiritual significance, there is going to be a battle about it. If we don't understand that, we will never finish the course God's had. And I'm going to share some of the battles I've had. Some stories about the battles I've had to fight. And God has always been there. So let's start with, in chapter 4, the persistent verbal opposition. It came from Samalek, and who had one of his granddaughters married to the son of the high priest. Whoops. And you see later on, Nehemiah throws all his stuff from the storerooms out. And then we have Tobiah, who was an Ananite, and they're enemy of God's people. And the scriptures tell us here that these people, Samalite and others, were very furious and angry and mocked the Jew. Now, this sounds very similar to some of the things we see now in our world. They're angry. And the first place they hit, he says, what are these feeble Jews doing? In 2 Corinthians 12, 2 Corinthians 12 9 and 10, God's strength is perfected in weakness. I don't care if people mock me for being weak. That's where God wants me. God's strength's made perfect in that. Don't let it take you down. It's a plus. You get a badge. And a lot of times we think of weakness, you might look at a congregation, well, these people are too old, they're too weak, too feeble, they can't do anything. Or the enemy will come at you another way, they're too young. Or you'll look at the middle age, they're too busy raising families. You'll catch the mocking all the time. It doesn't end. And some uh, mocking I've heard about churches, they're too educated. They have all these degrees. And then my little country church out in Maryville that I go to, they're not educated. It goes all over. Those voices are always there. The second thing, are they going to restore it for themselves? They attack their motive. Their motive for doing it. God told Haggai, rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be glorified. It's never, the work is never for self. It's always for God and what God plans to do with it later. That is always the case. If we do it for self, we might as well shut it, shut it down. It's always got to be for God. And then the, the third mocking, can they offer offerings? Can they offer sacrifices? So evidently they weren't, didn't have a lot of money or a lot of stuff, didn't have much to offer on sacrifices. But what Samuel said, it's better to obey than sacrifice. All God's interest in is, is our obedience. We don't have to have a lot. 
Just surrender. He'll do the rest. And then, can they finish in a day? Well, that's an issue of faith. Can you finish in a day? Well, whether it takes a day or a month or a year, it makes no difference. Hebrews says, for you have need of endurance, so when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Whether it's short run or long run, makes no difference. And then they say, can they revive the stones from the rusty rubble under the burnt, even the burnt ones? That is the availability, what you have available to work with. Well, go to Ezekiel 37 and see what God says about the dry bones. He can make his own people. He can do what he wants. He needs people whose heart is available, whose feet will walk in obedience. Don't look what they have. It's a, he's interested in hearts. And then Tobiah makes the mocking. Well, even if a fox should jump on it, it will break down their stone wall. Well, a fox weighs about 12 pounds. And if he's a healthy fox, he might make 14. It's not enough weight to do anything. It's like a breath of fresh air or slight wind. What a joke. Well, he was profaning the quality of the work. You don't have the resources. It's not going to stand the test of quality. Anything God does stands the test of quality. Anything he does. Wow. So they had their own media blitz in those days. Trying to discourage everybody. It was a plan of discouragement. That's what we're seeing in our country. A plan of discouragement. There's only one way to fight it. We have to be people who pray. We have to pray. One of the suggestions I would make for us is have one day a week that we set aside for prayer, 10 hours, two people paying, playing 20 minutes in each one of those hours because two or three are gathered, there I am. Let's start praying for our nation and our church because it's a battle we must fight on our knees. It's beyond us. And we need to recognize it's beyond us. These voices of questioning and everything about us. They come from outside the body of Christ. They come from our culture. They come from people who have left. They come from other churches around us. They come from Satan himself. He'll whisper it. And the thought will connect. That's how come our thoughts need to be God's thoughts. They have to be that way. If we're not more in the Word of God than ever before, we won't be able to stand the barrage that's coming. And it's coming. When I was at Texas A&M, I went there to do my Ph.D. in statistics, and I didn't know why God sent me there, but after I was there a while, he, I started sharing my faith, and I started seeing guys and women come to Christ. Exciting times. 
But I went through all of this because Crusade had been kicked off the A&M campus. Totally kicked out. They didn't want any staff from Crusade to be on a campus. And the words are, hey, well, there's always Fellowship of Christian Athletes, there's Navigators, there's Bible, uh, Baptist Student Union, there's InterVarsity, there's all these. They don't cause any trouble. But Crusade, oh, they're aggressive in sharing their faith. And we fought those all the time. Everybody said, they'll never make it. Well, we did. That crusade movement started with four students. and I had five guys in a mean discipleship group, and they discipled five or six more. By the time I left, two to three years later, we had 150 people involved in crusade. It was bigger than anything else on campus, and all of them combined. And a third of those people went into full part-time ministry. You can't listen to the voices. You've got to go where God has called you to go. You've got to do what he's called you to do. It's exciting to be used of God and look back at what God's done. It's miraculous. Tozer says... Um, so our, our only option here is to honor God. That's the only option. There's no other option. Toja says, I am who I am. You can't, but I can. You aren't, but I am able. You have no wisdom, but I am Jehovah, and I have the wisdom. We must pray for eyes to see Jesus and ears to hear his voice. We've got to pray that way. I got to see it this morning. I rescue cats, as you know, and I have two cats I've taken care of in the wall right now. Uh, one of them is named Precious. She's a tortie. And her name used to be Tortie, and I changed it to Precious. And then the other one's name is Silver. So you notice those high flute names, Silver and Precious. And one of the things this morning, Precious likes to do cat rolls for me when I approach her. And she'll roll and roll. I said, okay, this morning I'm going to count them. Three, four, five, six. That's enough. I know you're happy. That cat understood I needed a joy, and that was tremendous joy. And Tozer writes about seeing God in a cat. Golly, doesn't, doesn't say anything about seeing a life in a a dog, but I have a dog I put in that same category. But you've got to see God. You've got to have eyes to see what he's doing and the miracles are, that he's doing. And I hopefully Dr. Alsop is going to be up here in a few weeks or more, and he'll talk about the miracles that he got to see in Guatemala. They're obvious things of God, but they're around us too. And notice now Nehemiah's prayer, verses four, 4 through 6. He says, Hear, O our God, how we are despised. Return their reproach on their own heads. Give them up for plunder in the land of captivity. Do not forgive their iniquity. Let not their sin be blotted out before thee, for they have demoralized the workers. Now, he's pretty, that's a pretty tough prayer. That's Old Testament allowed. We don't pray that way. 
quietly now. But there's three things in that, that prayer. He's saying, we, your people, are being despised, and so are you. We should be offended when God is mocked. We should be offended. And then, basically, the second part of his prayer, let them reap what they have sown. That's fine. We can still pray that way. Let them reap what they've sown. We'll keep moving forward. The workers were demoralized, but they kept on working, and the wall was half to its height. Didn't slow them down. Then we see the plan physical opposition. Now, it lists four groups of people here, and you need to understand. This is why Old Testament is so unique. You get the pictures. Samalite and Tobiah were from north of Jerusalem, north. They were from Samaria. The Arabs were to the south. The Ammonites were to the east. And the last group, the Ashites, were to the west. Jerusalem was surrounded by four groups whose total goal was to demolish them anyway, discourage them in any way. They planned, they conspired together, the scripture says, to come and attack against Judah and fight. And notice what Nehemiah does, verse 9. But we prayed to our God, and because of them we set up a guard. We set up a guard. I have some people that are a part of my guard. You need people that are part of your guard. This church needs, we need to pray and have a guard, day and night. That's what he did. Then you have the predictable opposition. More discouragement coming. Notice what it says. The strength of the workers is failing. But God is stronger. The vision of the workers is failing. But God's vision is necessary. It's there. The confidence of the workers is failing. But God is our confidence. We should have no confidence in the flesh. And the security of the workers is failing. But God is our security. God is the answer to every one of those issues. God, 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 God. So, more discouragement. And then we see there were more threats, intimidation, ten times. Ten times. And it's interesting what happens. Nehemiah keeps working. He says, well, you need to arm yourself, and you arm yourself by families and work. There's no precedent for that. See, normally what we think about, we have workers and we have an army. They're separate. But in this case, you had to have both together. Each family providing that. No precedent. There's no precedent for a lot of things. But sometimes for a short period of time, it's necessary. And then I love, in a lot of those songs this morning, 
Read with me the words of Nehemiah as he pulled the people together and said, do not be afraid of them. This is not a time to be fearful. This is a time of faith, great faith in a great God. And remember the Lord who's great and awesome. Remember what he's done. All the miracles he's done. All the, all the battles he's won. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord. Even when you're surrounded. They were surrounded at the Red Sea. What a miracle. And then he says, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And I would add one other. And the generations to come. We're in a battle for the generations to come. It's not you. It's the generations to follow. See, as I look at the total picture and I visit with other churches and follow the little threads of things happening, there are a lot of churches being sidelined now. The COVID has silenced them, made it difficult for them to know how to minister. Some of them meeting, but it's, it's, they're having a real struggle. And one of the other voices on the other side of town, Berean Bible, lost their path, pa pastor to death. And here, Chris was removed by death. The enemy is trying to shut down God's voice. You need to see the whole picture. And you catch that from Nehemiah. He is aware. But he's aware that God's in control. He prays for God to do what God wants him to do. And he follows through. I was reading this morning. I read every Sunday morning. Study every Sunday morning. Study every day. I read, I'm reading about three or four books at the same time. And I have one book I read every Sunday. I read one chapter out. That's all I read out of it. And surprisingly, the chapter I read this morning was appreciate. It was titled "Appreciating a Crisis Experiment Experience." Appreciating it. See. It's a chance to trust God. It's a chance to see your world change. Let me ask an interesting question. Do you appreciate the conflict you have with the old man and the new man and your, your being? Is that fun? Hopefully you say no. It's a struggle. But you've got to realize God has allowed that to draw us closer to him. And when I teach on Romans, I have an excellent example to communicate this. It is. Appreciate it. So, in way of comments, life response. Obedience is hard. It is hard. But his grace and power are sufficient for any task. 
Let us take care of our wall before us. So one of the things I have suggested to the elders that we use Zillow to find people who move in and buy a house by zip code and follow up on those people with a postcard or something like that. Start finding those who are looking for a church and do it with a couple of the zip codes. Two, let us get in the habit of praying for families to be added. For ministries and fellows. Whenever the elders meet, you ought to be praying at least a little bit that day for them. We go through a struggle even in elders meet. They seem sometimes to run smooth, but there are some things that crop up, but they don't need to crop up. You need to pray for it. And when the women meet, we need to be aware. They need to be on the calendar. We check the calendar. We know what's going on. We've got to be praying. We've got to be a praying people. I take prayer walks all the time because I know my experience in the past, when I got on my knees to pray, I'd always be so tired, I'd always fall asleep. I've been there. And so I know the only way I can pray is I walk. I won't get tired. I walk. I listen. And I try to walk places that are quiet. I have a little town, a little town of Concord. It's not very far from me. And I go run there. And one of the reasons why I run there, it's quiet. Old historic town, quiet. I need to be away from a hustle and bustle. We have to have places that we can retreat like that. I do a lot of my praying while I'm mowing my yard because i got a big yard. But there are places you can find places to pray. we just got to be in the habit of develop the habit. Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is really weak. Now, one of the things I want to say, one of the churches that we were in, I was an elder in, a teaching elder. It was in the Washington, D.C. area. It was a church that people would come from 30 miles away to go to. Now, in Washington, D.C., that's tough. They would come from Maryland, different parts of uh, northern Virginia. It was a phenomenal church. Great teaching, music, very great. I was in charge of the small groups and the, the kids in a uh, program that we call a Learning Center. It was a great place. But it failed after five to six years. And you know why? It had all the talent, everything. They didn't pray appropriately. They were not a praying church. They were strong in their strength, years of experience of ministry, a lot of ex-pastors and so forth. But they didn't pray. I, I, I never knew exactly what to pray for. Even I was in the elders' meeting. got to be a praying church number four don't focus on the giants and the voices of discouragement don't focus on that and that voice will come as a whisper from satan himself don't you got to recognize it but focus on god himself his names his character his mercy his works in the past as we read he is great and awesome he is great and awesome 
Remember, greater is he who is in you and I than he is in the world. We're in a battle. We have to cling to him. Father, we are glad that you let us experience crisis experiences that we might cling to you as never before. See you afresh. See your ways. Understand your mind, your will for us. We commit this to you in our Savior's name. Amen.